Hey everybody, how are you doing? It's been a heavy week to say the least. Last Sunday we didn't share a living room video with you. It had only been a few days since the murder of George Floyd had happened and it didn't feel right for us to be posting content at the time. While we still believe that the content is valuable, we just wanted to be respectful and give some space on social media. Tonight, we are sharing with you last week's talk from James Four, and we really hope that those of you who are watching are impacted and moved by the word and are able to understand God and his word on a much deeper and more personal level. So we are praying for you guys. We miss you a ton and we love you and hope that we can all be together real soon. Bye. Hi friends, welcome to my living room. My name is Alexis Kincaid, but you can call me Lex. And I happen to serve as the executive assistant to the lead pastor at the chapel. I, before that, was the director of college ministry. And before that, I was the director of student ministries. So if you've been in student ministries for a while, maybe you remember those days. Maybe you've blocked them out of your memory so I don't scar you for life or something. But I'm back. Hopefully this talk won't be too scarring. But I'm really excited to be with you all. I miss student ministries so much. Um, I got to live vicariously through Luke for a while. I'm married to Luke Kincaid, and we have two kids. So you might see some pictures of them on the wall behind me, um, but I'm just really excited to be with you all today. So as I get started, I wanted to share another little fun fact about me that not a lot of people know, um, but the fun fact is I have a twin sister. She still lives in North Carolina, where I'm from. Um, her name is Dawn, and she is totally awesome, way cooler than I am. Um, but growing up with a twin sister, there was always a lot of competition, a lot of comparison. My mom used to tell a story of even when we were babies, she was um, going in the grocery store, had two of us in the stroller, and a woman came up to her and said, oh, twins, which is the smart one? It's like, we're like one year old, we're chewing on flip-flops, like <laughs> neither of us were rocket scientists at that point, or now. But the point was, even before it was logical, we were being compared. And I thought it was a twin thing, but then I had my own kids and I'm like, no, this is just a human thing, right? This trap of comparison and competition. So like, for example, my four-year-old Mackenzie, I'll come home from the Dollar Tree with some amazing toy for her and I'll give it to her and she'll be so excited about it. And then I'll give something to Finley, my two-year-old, and all of a sudden Mackenzie is looking at it, she's comparing it, she's wanting what Finley has. Again, never mind that it's just junk from the dollar store, but all of a sudden, because somebody else has something she doesn't, she wants it. And so I bring up that story because this chapter in James talks about the, this issue a little bit. And I'm gonna read the first two verses again. This is James four verses one and two. What is causing the quarrels and fights among you? Don't they come from the evil desires at war within you? You want what you don't have, so you scheme and kill to get it. You're jealous of what others have, but you can't get it. So you fight and wage war to take it away from them. You don't have what you want because you don't ask God for it. So there's a lot we could unpack in even just those two verses, uh, but I wanna focus on this topic of comparison 
There's a famous quotation that my kids are gonna hear a lot as they grow up, and it's from Teddy Roosevelt, and it's this. He says, comparison is the thief of joy. Waldrop, I think you can do something like this. Isaac did it the other week. Can you just put it up here if people, comparison is the thief of joy. And so when I first heard this, it like blew my mind. I thought, yes, that is so true. So what does it mean? So like in Kennedy's example, we're often satisfied with what we have and we have joy with just having what we have, being who we are, until we focus on the things that other people have and we think those things are better. So we lose that joy, we lose that contentment. The comparison stole our joy from us. So maybe some examples, like maybe you worked really hard at your sport in the off season and your skills got so much better, but then you go to tryouts and you got upstaged by somebody else and you just felt so deflated. Or maybe back when you had school, remember school, I feel so bad. I'm so sorry for you guys and how your school year has ended, but I have been so impressed by your resilience and your um, courage and the positive outlooks y'all have had. So anyway, side note, I, I've really been inspired by how so many of you handled this tough situation you're in. But let's say when you had school, you worked really hard, studied for a test and got a really good grade. And then you heard about someone else's grade who maybe didn't study as hard. And again, totally frustrating, totally joy stealing. So we compare ourselves with others all the time, right? Whether it's possessions or skills or looks or circumstances or friend groups, whatever it might be. But I wanna talk about what is underneath that surface level of comparison that's such a joy killer. So in counseling, um, you have what you call a surface issue, right? This is the stuff that people are fighting about, whether they think it's finances or communication or whatever. And then there's the deeper issue. What's really going on underneath the surface? The deeper issue is what you need to get at if you want the surface issue to get better. So it's like if you go to the doctor and you have a headache, if they just give you some painkillers, take away the headache, you might not know that there's really like a brain tumor or something under there. You have to deal with that to start really seeing improvement, health. So anyway, so what's underneath comparison? What's underneath it that makes it such a, a joy killer? What's the deeper issue here? Well, the real sin behind comparison is pride. So pride is this feeling of satisfaction or pleasure that you get from basically comparing with someone else for your achievements or for something you have that um, is more than or that is getting accolades or that is getting attention from others. In this talk, I wanna recommend two books and they're kind of both old school, but also like Christian classics. So I, if you don't have them, I highly recommend get it, um, read it, put it on your shelf, go back to it. I go back to the, both these books a lot in my spiritual journey. And this is Mere Christianity from C.S. Lewis. He wrote The Chronicles of Narnia. And he writes this about pride. He has a whole chapter in here about it. He says, pride is essentially competitive. Pride gets no pleasure out of having something, only out of having more of it than the next person. We say that people are proud, or people are proud of being rich or clever or good looking, but they are not. They are proud of being richer or cleverer or better looking than others. So again, pride is what tells us we're better than someone else. And pride is so destructive because it separates us from other people and ultimately it separates us from God. The second book I want to recommend is the purpose, A Purpose Driven Life, The Purpose Driven Life by Rick Warren. 
This is like a 40 day devotional and it's um, both these books for me, especially in college, that's when I uh, first read both of them, um, were just huge in my spiritual journey. So Rick Warren also talks a little bit about pride here in this book. He says, pride blocks God's grace in our lives, which we must have in order to grow, change, heal, and help others. The Bible says anytime we are prideful, we are living in opposition to God. That is a foolish and dangerous way to live. So I think that's what, you know, going back to our James passage, that's what verses like three to six are getting at. Where it talks about like, if you're being a friend of the world, maybe if you wanna like be a big deal in people's eyes, if you wanna um, succeed in the ways that the world tells you to succeed, that that is a foolish way to live. Again, back to C.S. Lewis, he says, as long as you are proud, you cannot know God. A proud man is always looking down on things and people. And of course, as long as you are looking down, you cannot see something that is above you. So what does this look like in our daily lives? What is pride doing that separates us from other people? Where in your life uh, do you see that separation? Do you see yourself comparing? And you compare and you feel like you're above somebody in something, or you're comparing and you're separating yourself because your pride is hurt. This person is, you view them as better than you in some area, and so you don't wanna hang out with them. You don't wanna be around that because it hurts your pride. Where do you see this playing out in your life? So if James sets up, if we talk about how pride is the ultimate issue, what's the solution? What's, how, do we, how do we fix that deeper issue? Well, verses seven through 10 have some thoughts for us. And basically the key is we have to humble ourselves before the Lord. I think that's in verse 10. So how do we do that? Well, again, my boy Rick Warren here, he has a thought on humility and I think he says it so well. He says, humility is not thinking less of yourself. It is thinking of yourself less. You can write that down too. Ball drop, can you write that down? If there's not enough space, then just ignore, ignore these hand motions here. But humility is not thinking less of yourself. It's just thinking of yourself less. So you don't have to think you're horrible to be humble. You just have to be focused on other things. So there are some practical ways that we can develop humility, right? We can start by admitting our weaknesses. We don't have to be perfect. That is okay. No one's perfect. It's not gonna happen. So just admit that there are some areas we're stronger in and some that we have some weaknesses. We can also try and be patient with other people's weaknesses. When we recognize our own, it helps us also have some more grace for other people. We can be open to correction open to people kind of speaking into our lives and helping us improve. And we can also point the spotlight on other people. We can celebrate other people, celebrate their wins, celebrate things that they do well. Um, there was a girl, Teresa Spencer, she and I were summer interns in student ministries together. And she is one of the people that I think of as having the spiritual gift of encouragement. She effortlessly could find something that she admired in people and um, was really generous with her praise and with her affirmation. And that has always struck with me that I think of Teresa as a really humble person because she lifted other people up. Um, verse eight in this chapter says, come close to God. Another translation says, draw near to God. And that's another way that we grow in humility. 
is by knowing God more, who God is, who we're not, and how he loves us still. Tim Keller has a wonderful quote about this. He says, the gospel is this, we are more sinful and flawed in ourselves than we ever dared believe. Yet at the very same time, we are more loved and accepted in Jesus Christ than we ever dared hope. So drawing close to God, we realize that he's God, he's perfect, and we're not, but that he loves us anyway. And that's what makes us valuable. That That's what makes us important and special. This is the great equalizer. You know, no matter how great we are, we all need a savior. We all need Jesus. And thank God we have him. So as we focus on Jesus, as we focus on God, the Holy Spirit's gonna empower us to stop comparing and to start building others up. So we can focus more on what we have in Christ and then we can freely share that gift with others. So again, remember, remember as we close here, humility is not thinking less of yourself, it's thinking of yourself less. Let's not let comparison and pride steal our joy or steal other people's joy. Instead, let's focus on how we can bring joy to other people by building them up. Let's just focus on drawing near to God and watch him transform us and transform those around us in the process. So I just want to close by letting you guys know that I am praying for you. I really am. Um, this has been a crazy season and again, so crazy for students especially. And I'm just praying for your parts, your resilience, your relationships, and that God would use this um, in just a really important way and a transformational way in your lives in the midst of these frustrating circumstances. Um, if you want a copy of either of the books I mentioned, I'm going to put student ministries on the hook right here. They didn't know I was doing this. Sorry guys. That's what you get for asking me to do one of these. If you want one of these, drop a comment below and they will reach out to you and they will hook you up and make sure that Amazon sends you something ASAP. So drop a comment if you want one of these. And finally, you guys have a phenomenal student ministries team. Um, they care so much about y'all and they really want to serve you. So if you are lonely, if you're struggling, or if you are experiencing joy and you want to celebrate, like they want to walk alongside you. Um, I'm also available. I love working with students. I really, like I said, miss student ministry. So if you just want to chat or if you want to talk or follow up on anything I said, I would love to connect with you as well. So you can reach out to the student ministries team or um, you can holler at me through whatever channels you want. Find me on social media, um, find me on Facebook, Instagram, et cetera, et cetera. You can have my cell phone number too. I don't really care. Um, I'll talk to you have that. Anyway, text Isaac, he can give it to you. Anyway, praying for you friends. Thanks for joining me tonight and I hope you guys have a great time. Great evening, bye.